let me talk a bit about uh, Born of God. I put Born of God Part 5. I don't know if that's good. Uh, maybe I need better subjects. But I wanted to talk about Born of God and being a new creation because th th these thoughts just are consuming me. I am convinced, and I don't need any lectures, I'm convinced that we have a measure of understanding, but it's a measure. It's, a, it's not a, a full measure, it's a small part of who we really are. Because when you really know better, you should do better. And uh, that's not uh, to discipline anyone, but I'm saying that, that God has done something for us that is so otherworldly, we have to step out of our secular thinking, our worldly thinking, and think totally spiritually to understand, to grasp. When we talk about you being sons of God, I mean that literally. And the Bible means that literally. It's not, uh, it's kind of like this or possibly like that. No, that you and I have been birthed by God, by his own volition. And, and in order to birth us, he had to give us himself fully. Not himself uh, at, uh, at, a, at a distance, but he had to bring about something totally new that has not been before. So he engendered us, so he begot us, uh, that is, of his own will. And what that does mean is that you and I, when we were born of the Spirit, we became united with God. We became one with Jesus. And so let's explore this a little bit more. I'm going to reiterate some things I said Sunday, but I want to go beyond that. And uh, so I want you to put tighten your seatbelts up because we'll move a little fast. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20, Paul says, in verse 12, he says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are not expedient. All things are not lawful. All things are, rather, lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And so he, he wants us to understand our position. Our position as believers, our positions in the world. So we will not be brought under the power of anything. All right? And so that, that means all that's going on in the world. And I, I know one of my goals, I believe it's an assignment from God, is to extricate as many believers as I can from worldliness and the world system. They just feel with it and they think they're doing God a service. Let's go on. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. So it's sort of like a, a lot of these little sayings we have, worldly sayings, they're not as good as we think. And so the Corinthians are saying, well, you know, food's for the stomach, <laughs> stomach for food. You know, so that means that, that since God gave ver uh, uh, various appetites, then that means that you can indulge yourself to the fullest. That's not what God did. God did not give us appetite to indulge ourselves uh, unlawfully or, or wrongly. Um, uh, sometimes we, you, you can ask, well, what is the difference between, you know, you have uh, God says, uh, sex in marriage is, is healthy, it's good, it's right, but, but lust is, is appetite out of control. So if you, if you have lust in your heart, it's appetite out of control. It's wrong, just totally wrong. So this is what he is trying to say to us here. No, this is what he is saying to us here. Now he goes on to say, now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. 
And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. So Paul gives us a promise uh, from God. We have to know what that promise is and then walk in that promise, believe that promise. I remember I've told you this story several times that when I was a young uh, parent, I was really concerned about my children going out into the world. And, and uh, sometimes they didn't seem like uh, they, they wanted God, the, the God, my God, the God I love. And uh, they were out in the world and uh, going out there, and, and, and I was so bothered. I was bothered to tears and pleading and talking to God. And he said, he told me one day, he said, don't worry about your children. I am in covenant with you. Therefore, I'm in covenant with your children. But it freed me. It freed me. It freed me. And, and, and he said other, other prophetic things about my children to me. It didn't look like it, but I believed him. And, and I've seen those things come to pass. So I want to encourage you um, that, that born again is not some fickle thing that God does. It's not precarious, you know, uncertain. It's not like that. It's not like that. Now, there are perhaps people who say, well, uh, I'm born again. And they're just saying it. But, but when someone is born again, they are born again, and they can never be unborn. That You can't be unborn. All right, so let's look at this. Now, I know there are those who, who have problems. I, I was in a place not that long ago where I was teaching on some of these things, and you would be surprised of the ministers who were trying to somehow um, confuse the issue and say, uh, yeah, but, yes, but, yes, but, no, but, no, but. And they kept doing that. I said, what are you trying to do? Prove that God is not omnipotent? Anybody who can take you from God, they're greater than his. Have you ever thought that through? I said, think these things through. They are greater. They said, well, 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 but the person can. No, I can't unborn myself. I know this is maybe a little, little quirky language, but you, you get my meaning, right? You know, because you unfriend. You don't think that's quirky, but, the, you know, these other things are. You can unfriend somebody, but you can't unborn them. You can't unsun them. You can't unsave them, as it were, because you, you didn't give them salvation anyway. And furthermore, salvation is not just a thing, it's a person. And, and since it's the person of Jesus Christ, if it can be snatched away from them, we have some serious biblical issues. Serious, I want to talk about it. Okay, now, then he, then he goes on and says in verse 15, and this is really what I really wanted to start, but it, does, it has to come together. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So what would your answer be? What would your answer be? Somebody say, yes. And somebody say, yes. I mean, come on. I mean, I thought you were a lot braver than that. Okay, come on. You can talk to me. You know, see, sometimes... You, you, they, you, they overcame him by the words of the, the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. They can't overcame by the word of the testimony. Some of you act like you don't have a word. Okay, come on. You have to say these things. Sometimes you have to say it. Sometimes you have to just spew it out so that it comes back. Don't just think it. It's not just for the stomach. So you have to say things. You have to talk to, to, to yourself sometimes. You have to talk to God. So prayer is not just, you know, no. <laughs> no. You know, you, you're saying things to God. And so, so, so you can talk to me a little bit or I'll have to use a little bit more of your time. <laughs> Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Yes, they are, since you don't know. 
Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? What he's talking about is you're just living any kind of way, connecting yourself to somebody. He says, do you know how serious that is? You just took a member of, of Christ and put it somewhere where it is not supposed to be, not even once. So he's talking serious stuff here. Now listen to what he says. Or do you not know that he was joined to her holy or prostitute, he's saying, is one body with her. There's a lot of prostitution in Corinth. And so, but, but there is illicit sex that's not prostitution. But he's talking about the, the prostitution here. But so young people, we don't want our young people getting all involved. Oh, I'm in love. No, you're in lust, not love. Because love wouldn't do that to somebody. All right? So let's look at it again. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. And so he's saying that if you are, are having sexual relations with somebody you're not married to, he says uh, you are brought a member of Christ into that relationship. He said, wow. In verse 17, he says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So he says he wants us to know that we are one spirit with the Lord. Now, that is a huge statement. We are one spirit with the Lord. You know, when you hear these kinds of things, uh, do, do they ever move you? I mean, I, I trust that inside there's something squirming in you, moving in you. Because you know, if I say, you know, um, I'm going to give you right now uh, $1 billion, and you go, okay. I'll, I'll say, i take it back. You know, you know, you are joined to the Lord. You are one spirit. You know what that means? One spirit with God? This is not a pretend one spirit. That means that the same spirit that God is, you have now been brought forth by. So you're a product of that spirit. You're not of the products, as it were, just of the hands of God shaping something from clay and building it and then, you know, blowing into it. But you came forth from, as it were, out of, because of God. The same spirit that he is, you are now on that, as it were, Bandwidth, if I'm saying that correctly. So he tells us flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Verse 19 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? So he's saying that, that now your body, my body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying is God now has taken residence in you. God lives in your spirit. So the way we comport ourselves should be with reverence, knowing that God lives in here. You know, I mean, God lives in here. I need to make sure I take care of this temple because God lives in here. So you and I have been born again. Don't, don't be just so casual, so cool about this new birth. I am as excited or more excited today about being born again than I ever was because I have seen deeper into the new birth than I've ever seen. It's one of the most amazing things. Sometimes we'll hear things and we hear things as it were with our outer ear and we hear them in a shallow way and we think, oh, I know that. Tell me something I don't know. Well, I just told you something you probably don't know at that depth. See, there are depths to learning. I, when I was a child, I, I knew what one plus one. I remember one plus one equals one. One plus two, you know. One plus one equals one. No, it, it equals two. <laughs> yeah. And, that, you know, that's the way. 
That's the way it is, right? So, so you, you, you just remember that? Two plus two equals four. Then later on, it was two times two. And then it was two times two over five or something, or whatever. It just the math got so complicated. They started putting brackets and stuff in there. That's Brother Joe's business. You know, they started putting all those things in there and, and, and letters, you know. And I said, man, what's, this, is, this takes some more learning. It, it was, it, but if I didn't know what one plus one equaled or, or two plus two or three plus three, I probably wouldn't have ever gotten to the B's and the C's and, and the brackets and, and all that stuff. So I'm just saying, allow yourself to learn more about the same thing. And then he goes on to say, um, in verse 24, you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. In verse 15, he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Do you not know? He asked the Corinthians. And so he tells them specifically uh, in, in chapter 6, verse 13, uh, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for your body. So, so he says, the body is not for your pleasure. It's for the Lord. Amen. So secondarily, God allows that in the marital process. And then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27, he, he embraces that again. And he says, now you are the body of Christ. Can you imagine that, that you are the body of Christ? Let us take that very seriously. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So that means that Jesus Christ, in this amazing mind of God the Father, he wanted a body of sons. He wanted sons. He wanted many, many sons. And so he had this amazing reality that he was going to bring forth through Jesus Christ that he's going to have, say, billions of sons. And that's who we are, forever made in the image of Jesus Christ. Yeah, pure as Jesus Christ, holy as Jesus Christ, a place where God dwells forever and ever and ever. That's what God wants. And in Romans 12, 5, Romans 12, 5, he says, and we being many, or one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So he talks about our respect to each other. Now, we, we seem to get it pretty good, our respect to God, our respect to Jesus, but do we get it, our respect to each other? You know, can I tell you my biggest challenge is our respect to each other. But the Scripture says very profoundly, very clearly, that if I don't get it right with God the Father, I'll never get it right with you. And if I don't have it right with you, I don't have it right with him. Wow. Can you, is that tough? If I don't get it right here, I don't have it right there. But if I get it right here, it must be right here. By the way, Sister Kemp taught us that way, way back. But I'm understanding it in an even more profound way. And in Ephesians 4, um, uh, 4 through 6, he says, he explains it again. He says, there's one body and one spirit. There's one body, one body of Christ. And there's one spirit that permeates all of us. Do you get that? Don't look around. Come on, please pay attention. Don't y'all look around, y'all. Don't look around. All right, pay attention. There's one body. There's one spirit that permeates. That's the Holy Spirit. He says, just as you were called in one hope, one expectation of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So the same God, that, that is the father of Jesus Christ is your dad too. Amen. That's what he wants you to know. He wants you to really get that because we get that on one level, but we don't get that in the depth that God wants. For we are members of his body. Listen, it's Ephesians 530. B 
beautiful, powerful, speaking of a marital relationship, an inextricable relationship. That, what that means is once you're married, you just can't say, I don't love you, I'm not married anymore. Hey, in God's eyes, you did it. You did it. <laughs> and he says, yes, like, like it says, members of his body, of his flesh, one of his bones. That's what God says. And I take that seriously. Now, verse 17, let me reiterate that one. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Do you get that? One spirit, perfect fellowship, perfect union, perfect union with God? I've had to understand. I'm a creature. I do what he wants. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, you know. But no, he says, no, it's deeper than that. You are now one spirit with him by, by new birth, one spirit with him. That doesn't mean that you're God, but it means things that I'm not ready to tell you. You're, never, you're not the father. You're not the son, but you're a son made in the image of, of, of Christ purely, perfectly. This is amazing. Now notice what he says. Uh, verse 8, uh, Romans 8, um, he says, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is huge. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not, have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. I was asked a question on one of my trips, uh, then uh, there's a difference in the baptism with the Holy Spirit and being saved, and there are people who don't have the Holy Spirit until a particular thing happens. I said, impossible, because if you do not have the Spirit of God, you, are, you don't belong to him. To confess Jesus Christ with salvation, you, you repent of your sins, the Holy Spirit comes now to take habitation in you. We can work out the other things later. That's what he does. He does that. Somebody doesn't have to have your experience to be one with God. They have to experience that they have, they must have the experience that God has ordained to be one with him. I mean, this is really good. I'm preaching myself happy as that old preacher said. Yeah. And if Christ is in you, listen, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, let me explain that a little bit further. Let me read the, the ESV. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, cannot produce what God wants. The spirit is life because of righteousness. So as a result of Christ's indwelling presence, your body is dead or subject to death. It's amazing. But because of the Holy Spirit, you can function in a realm where you and God are one. That's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, in Romans, and. um, he says here, uh, let me go. Because God has imputed to us his righteousness, therefore believers alive spiritually at the same time. He is alive spiritually at the same time that his body is dead because of sin. Therefore, if a believer, a believer is alive spiritually, but if the spirit, I'm sorry, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. 
And then let's look at Galatians 2.20. He shows us this amazing union again. 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Every believer needs to memorize Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this body, that's what that means, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These are astounding blessings. They're astounding blessings. When the church lays hold of it, We'll be different. We'll be so different to all who see us. But we are getting hold of it. Let's pray to God that we get hold of this amazing blessing. I told Brother Rennie, 15 minutes all I need. Ephesians 4.4, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Let's look at John 17, and I'm going to rush and read this. John 17, 21 through 23. This is what Jesus prayed. Now listen to what Jesus is praying. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also, now this that's big. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. I want them to be one like that. I don't think we get, we've gotten that. I know I haven't got, gotten it to this depth before. He's saying, I want them to be one, just like the Godhead is one. You cannot take any person of the Godhead out and have the Godhead. It's impossible to take them out. You cannot do it. There's nobody who can say, I can, I've separated Jesus from the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. And this is what he's saying. I want that to be the same with him. But he wants that to be in our understanding. Yes, it is our reality, but is it in your understanding? Wow. Now listen. That they may also may be one in us. One in each other and one in God. One in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He says that's what his goal is for us. But are you ready? Are you wanting? Do you desire it? I do. I, it, listen, it's big. It's deep. It's high. But this is what Jesus prayed. Listen to what he says. And this is the goal. That the world may believe that you sent me. When he sees them like this, and this is why we travel the world. I don't like flying. God didn't give me wings. I don't like it. I do it. I don't like being tired and going through all kinds of time zones, but I do it. Why? That they may believe that you sent me, that the world may believe that you sent me. And listen to me, says, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. That they may be one. But they may be. I love you. Sometimes people break my heart. Just totally break my heart. Just deceive and do crazy stuff. Sometimes I want to be so angry. But I can't be. Because this is what Jesus prayed. We all, he says, I and them, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them 
as you love me. That's it. That's big. That's huge. Can we do that? Can we walk in it? I mean, really, I want you to think about it. Let's walk in this. Let's believe it. Let's trust God. Let's see what that's about. I'll be back in just a minute.